Welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host Lei Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the managing director at Sino Auto Insights, a management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. Hey, Lay, good seeing you again this week. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, man. Good evening from my side. I am your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number eighty-five. A special World <laughs> EV Day just returned from Austin edition. Happy World EV Day, Lei. Happy World EV Day. <laughs> yeah,、uh, w- yeah. We we were in Austin、uh, earlier this week for、uh, Move America. What do you mean earlier this week? We're there well, today. today we're there today. So we, we just returned to our respective、uh, homes. Great town, terrific event. It was smaller than some of these enormous events where you don't feel like you've you're able to check everything out and really get a feel for the companies, the startups, the themes. You know, you and I peeked in and out of some keynotes, peeked in and out of some panels. I, I got a lot out of it. And、uh, I'm, I'm very glad we decided to become media partners、uh, for this event with Move America, and、uh, I'd be happy to do it again. Yeah, it was. I guess they had three themes:、uh, technology, business models, and、uh, sustainability. So、um, this is first time for me to be in Texas, let alone Austin.、Uh, enjoyed some of the cuisines there, barbecue. But I think for the <laughs> I'm going to ask you the question、uh, on on the highlights, but I think for me was I think there were two probably. One was talking to the Hussai folks, the lidar folks, at the very、yeah. beginning on、uh, Tuesday.、And、then the other was just talking to the two guys from、uh, Modbike、uh, toward the end, and then everything in between. I think there were some moments where I think some of the comments made were very interesting. So. Uh, I'll, I'll re- recap mine. So the morning of the first day, Linda Zhang, we we kind of met her again. <laughs> she, yeah, <laughs> she basically said in that fire ch-、uh, chat that、uh, they approached this F one fifty Lightning first as a truck,、uh, maybe not so much as an EV, but right first it's got to be a truck because right、uh, what what they've done their research and then the EV come afterward. Right, and then the other one was、uh, there was the other.、Uh, let me let、yeah. me let me add this real quickly. I think Ford should be applauded for taking that much risk for the Golden Goose. Right, I think Linda truly believes that that was the approach they took. But you know, that's also the corporate communications team really, really leaning into that. Right, because ninety five percent of F one fifty sales goes to males between the age of thirty five and fifty or something like that, and so if they leaned into the EV side of an F one fifty, I think they would have、uh, really, really 
alienated a large portion of that market segment. And so I think they did a really good job, but they should be really applauded for threading that needle because of uh, how important the F-150 is to their existence. Yeah. So it's I always, you know, we, we said this before that I liken it to, to be the kind of the Wulin Hongguang, a popular model among really the the, the masses, the, the, the regular folks out there. And similarly, for, for the F-150, right? It's the Wulin Hongguang for, the, for America, kind of. So, yeah. An $80,000 an 80, Wulin Hongguang. <laughs> yeah. But a Wulin Hongguang nonetheless. Yeah, and then the other one that I attended that, that um, you didn't get to attend was uh, Eric Bach from Lucid. It was basically right. a live tech talk. You know, you know the YouTube videos that I put out every once in a while, and all he talked about was efficiency. And I think one comment was interesting he made was, in, in the ICE age, we talk about MPGs, miles per gallons. But in the, in the EV age, we only talk about range rather than a similar MPG, uh, or what's known as the MPGE for EVs. So he was talking about, you know, how they do um, deal with uh, efficiency. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, You know, that's Lucid's approach. But I wanted to go back to Hussai because it relates to uh, this news that they just announced yesterday that they delivered 10,000 LiDARs. In September. Right. And I just realized they probably inadvertently revealed Lee Auto's delivery numbers for the L9. Right? Think of it? Mm. Yeah. L9, remember the other news is they just produced their 10,000 L9. Uh, so this is, I believe their first war was produced uh, August 18th if I remember correctly. So it's six, seven weeks. Yep. So I'm kind of doing the math here, and really they're, they're AT-128. I mean, they have a lot of design wins, but really it's the L9. Now you're talking Hussai again, right? Yeah, Hussai, AT-128. Right. So really the L9 is the model that, that really has, has the AT-128 in any right. significant volume. So hopefully, because the auto has been preaching this, has been bragging about it actually, that they will do 10,000 L9s in, in September. So we'll see whether that's her size number is, is an indication. It'll be Chabadul, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it also reveals that Husai currently has effectively one commercial customer, and that's Leoto. Well, they have other ones. They have the the right Hi-Fi's, Lotus, Electra, but those are not produced yet, right? That the right. The, well, and that's that goes back to what was it? Billy said, you know, there's these announcements by these other lidar manufacturers that hasn't actually gone into manufacturing yet, and so uh, Husai has made several announcements with new customers, like you had just mentioned, uh, Lotus, uh, Hi-Fi, uh, several others, but only Lee Auto is going on vehicles and being produced right? in, in scale, right? So, And also, if we extrapolate a little bit, so they did 10,000 production yesterday, so there's obviously going to be uh, a few days of lead time to be delivered, So, which means they probably will not get to the 10K deliveries. 
Right. And that's a timing yeah. thing, right? So somewhere between, let's say, 9,000 to 10K. That's what we would expect. And, and you know, the, the one thing I will say is that because you and I are so familiar with these Chinese companies, whether they're EV companies or tier one level, tier two, tier one level suppliers. But then when we talk to the Western folks, you know, it kind of reminded me of the, the Sandy Monroe at the, the charity preview. When we first start talking to them, they're like, you know, who are you guys? Right. And then we just like, we don't name drop, but we basically know what we're talking about. And then all of a sudden they just open up like, like they literally want to hear everything we have to say, right? So I think that's pretty funny. But, you know, that's part of our job is to really educate the West that, you know what, there are people paying attention. They're starting more and more, right? Because our audience is growing. So, and, you know, one of the things I'm sure that we're going to talk about is that battery company that's potentially going to open a factory in Michigan. So we're going to be even more relevant in the coming months, right? Yeah. And I don't know what, about you, but the other observation I made for Move America was these, all of a sudden, I guess, these mushrooming of these charging or charger operators or innovators or whatever you want to call them, headed by this BP Pulse, which had that, uh, I found out later that they had that event that we saw with the Polestar 2, right, with, with their yep. uh, 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 logos on the car. That this they just announced this new branding, which is basically the BP's electrification and charging brand, based on a an acquisition of uh, this uh, Ampli, uh, right. which was responsible to build up the uh, charging for Hertz initially. So they will continue to do this for Hertz. I think it's like hundred thousand chargers over the next how many years? So it's an interesting play. That they're not working with anyone else, but that hurts is, you know. Since you brought hurts up, if we take two steps back, let me take two steps back. We're seeing green shoots. We're seeing kind of random green shoots. We're not seeing a consistent across the board growth. But anecdotally, in Austin, two of the cars that I got into were Teslas that were being rented by the week. Right. I was, I was in one of them. Right. We, we were in one of them. Right. It was brand new. Right. Effectively, the numbers that they were saying, they rent it between five and seven hundred dollars a week and they make between twelve and eighteen hundred US dollars a week. So they, they make pretty good money being an Uber driver when they're renting the Tesla. So, um, Hertz has something, it seems, you know? Yeah. That's the Hertz and Uber's agreement with you know putting on these model threes right yeah so and uh but the the thing is like these like we saw uh the speed pulse the there was this flow right you saw that right there was a switch i think a company from canada um yep. you kind of feel the buzz or you can feel that they're stoked i think part partially because of the infrastructure bill because of the ira i think Oh, there, there's a there's a mad dash for money. It's like San Francisco in the gold, gold rush, right? Yeah, I think that's how how we felt that that you can see this push right in front of your um, eyes. And it was not right. It was a mobility. It was a business model. And but the thing is, it was hard to differentiate really what they offered that that are unique, right? That they're just 
is it software? Is it something else? I, I couldn't tell. I mean, there was quite a few of these charging. And that's the thing, right? Because are they just manufacturing the infrastructure and then having a third party manage the the stations, you know, and manage the service, manage the user experience. That's what's really disparate because payments is a separate thing. The UX is a separate thing. And a lot of these companies that you've just mentioned, they're just manufacturers, right? They're just manufacturing and selling chargers. And, you know, on the on, on the back end, they get access to the data, but they don't they're not responsible for the user experience. And so if you add a layer on top of that as a provider, uh, a charging infrastructure provider, and you're using multiple manufacturers, the UX can get really sloppy, especially if you don't have a seamless payment system. And so that is still really, really the big challenge, I feel, because anecdotally, we talk to people or you still read about frustrations about going to chargers and either them being broken, parked, you know? I was speaking to, to one of the guys at the BP Pulse booth and I kind of told him, you know, when I rented the, the Model 3 on the Hertz, it was, it was seamless. It was smooth. And, you know, he nodded and said, you know, yeah, they're, they're the gold standard. And can they offer the same thing? I doubt it. But... But it looks like it's going to be initially responsible for, for Hertz build out the um, charging network for Hertz customers. So it's kind of like, you know, B2B almost. Right. Yeah. Um, any, anything else you found interesting or highlights? So I'm still on my tour of people I've spoken with a number of times. And now you've also had the pleasure of meeting Maggie and Roberto. So, you know really enjoy their enthusiasm and appreciate their enthusiasm and their brilliance because, you know, I think, so, so we're f- referring to a startup called Drive and um, they do driver monitoring. And so one moment that stuck out to me was talking to the city of Culver, Culver city, city yeah. representative <laughs> and, you know, how he really needs to have a compelling argument to implement or integrate new technology into the city planning infrastructure so that he, in order to save lives. And I I really appreciated that he was leaning into technology as an enabler to, to, to create a better atmosphere uh, for his city. But his plight was that Culver city is one of the smaller cities in LA County. And he just, told us that he wasn't the Culver City just wasn't that influential when it came to the city of LA County and the changes. So um, he was inviting startups to explain how their technology could help the city. And I thought that was, you know, I, I was I was super interested, engaged in that conversation because it was so random and organic, you know, because it was literally the last panel discussion or the presentation of the second day. And after the presentation was over, we started hearing forklifts <laughs> Yeah, because the conference was closing. But then we were sitting in that breakout room uh, where the where the presentation was still talking about it for 15, 20 minutes, right? And and, and the other thing was uh, how this, this conference wasn't focused on cars. No. I think that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, it was 
innovative uh, business models, startups. There were a lot of startups with these, right? Drive being one of them with, with this, you know, very small, what do you call it? A, a table with the, with the backboard. Yeah. Where only one person standing next to it to, to man the, the, the kind of the, the, the table. One or two persons. I mean, right. You, you kind of feel the startup mentality and, 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 and the atmosphere. To my surprise, you knew one or two of them. I, I'd not heard of most most of them. So yeah, the pre pre act guys, it was interesting as well. Com- you know, they're trying to probably compete with the big bigger tier ones, or or could be a, a, a tier two supplier to the tier ones. Yeah, and the upon reflection, you and I, we noticed there is a lot of these events all over the country over the next several months. Yes, and and actually another surprising thing was, that, right? One of the guys we talked to, a mod bikes, a local e bike startup. He was like all long on on Chinese brands, BYD. You know, he's like they're gonna mm-hmm. be number two behind Tesla. <laughs> I mean, like like sometimes the, the the people, the knowledge that they they know what they know about. I mean, he's he came up to me and he's like. Who's number one in China? Who's number two? Who's number three? And uh, I told him, like, good thing that I knew. <laughs> it's like, see, oh, you're China EVs and more. You should know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, right? And and it wasn't. There, sometimes, like, I, I spoke to a, a a journalist from Caixin in, in in China, and there's a lot of feel that there's a lot of hostility toward the Chinese brands. I'm sure there are, but right when you talk to these people they're right they're they're very open that which makes you you know i lay i just think that that's a ginned up thing for politicians to really rally their their bases a little bit right there there are i think there are valid concerns and there should be uh certain commodities or certain services we should proceed with caution on, but you know, by and large, if the legacy automakers aren't bringing the right products at the right price that give us the features that we want, then why wouldn't we open it up to other countries and other brands and other automakers? It just doesn't make sense because we, as Americans, we deserve it, right? We deserve the best product we can afford. And um, if that happens to be Chinese, if that happens to be Japanese, so be it. But that's what the United States is built on, competition, right? And so I, I'm of two minds on that because and you and I have several private conversations every week about certain things, right? And I think we have similar sensibilities. We might be looking at it from a different viewpoint, but I think our, our sensibilities are very similar. And, uh, you know, cause yeah, the, 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 the irony of it a lot of times is that, in, in my opinion, the Chinese government points fingers at countries when they do the exact same thing. Right. So, yeah, what, what I was, um, uh, uh, slightly surprised was when you speak of these Chinese brands, uh, that that the people that I talk to, you know, they actually know them. It's yeah. not like oh, who are they? They they know them. So right. So it's the the awareness 
is there. And to be quite frank, the two Hussai guys were white American guys. So <laughs> well, they weren't Chinese they weren't Chinese guys, right? They're probably, you know, influenced by David, right? The the, the, the founder yeah. and CEO. So they they know. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is that, you know, they didn't send a, a team of, of 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 people from China to sell to Americans, right? They hired Americans. Yeah, local, yeah. So yeah, so I think that's that's what you want. Yeah, and which is you know a good segue to to go into the BYD and, and Neil. Both of them are, are doing some things in Europe. BYD announcing the, the three models at a very high, I would say, surprisingly uh, high uh, pricing points uh, for the three models. And and Willem Lee doing this. He's tripping, man. He's he's doing this. A uh, trip, you know, ten day, ten city European trip, and he's having fun with Li Hong and meeting all these locally hired, right? That the user advisory board people, the, the the managers, the people doing the operations. We're gonna look back on this as their coming out party. Neo's coming out party. Every day he's posting these things on the Neo app, and he has to post twice: one in Chinese and one in English on different apps. And you see him saying, you know, I'm becoming a we media. Well, it might not be him. It might not <laughs> well, be, might but, not actually be him. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> right, you know, but there's, he does these trips and meetings and right, you guys, somebody's got to sum up, you know, what he does. Yeah. And you kind of see this European uh, layout uh, being presented right in front of you, right? So where he is, who he met. Uh, where there's a Neo uh, house, the first swap station in Germany, right? All these things. And I think an important distinction, lay is that it is him. It is not the head of international for Neo yeah. leading that charge. It's it the is two him out front. Yeah, it is them out front. And this goes to show how important this foreign market, this European market is to Neo. Yeah. In order for Lee Bin to achieve the goals that he set for Neo in his mind and his heart. He needs this market to succeed, right? It's a validation, but it's also a risk that he's willing to take because of the confidence he has in his team's ability to create and design and engineer a product that not only Chinese customers will resonate with, resonates with Chinese customers, but will resonate with German or European customers. And I agree with you. BYD at 75,000 euro. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Because we, we, we have a chance to kind of compare the, how the brands are, are being presented. What are the CEOs doing? And certainly BYD is not at the level. Well, anyhow, it's not at the level of Neil as in terms of brand positioning. So, so, so seventy-two thousand euros, which is pretty much same as dollars, right? Yeah, right now, right now, and pounds. Yeah, I think I did some calculations. Was roughly fifty percent above the the pricing. You know, Tang, for example, Tang EV, fifty percent higher. In in I think the pricing are for Germany. And it could be different in other countries, European countries. But you wonder, can BYD, you know, withhold that that kind of positioning? And also whether that's deliberate. And I think it is. 
And you you said it is, right? It is, but this is there's premium, which would have been probably like a sixty thousand euro price point, and then there's like anytime you're hitting close to seventy five thousand U.S. dollars, that's that's uh, that's hitting for the fences, swinging for the fences, right? Um, and I don't, I it's a stretch for me. To, th- to think that someone would pay 75,000 euro or 72,000 euro for a tong, right? So, well, anyways, um, I, I will have a chance to go to the Paris Motor Show. So, I will certainly talk to BYD and, and kind of uh, hear uh, uh, the, the, what the local, you know, the, the Europeans think. And when they actually officially, I guess, launch, uh, uh, you know, next month. So, I, I do know this, Lay, and let's jump back to Neo for a second. There is no shortage of Western and European media outlets oh, okay. that want to talk with Bin Lee and Qin Li Hong, right? Yeah. They I know they've been interviewed by the FT, Peter, Peter Campbell. Campbell yeah. I know the Economist has reached out to them. So they're getting exactly what they want. The media coverage and most of it has been positive. Now, a lot of it revolves around can swap stations work in Europe or Europe, blah, blah, blah. And to me, that misses the point, but I'll, I'll answer that question. I believe because of the nature of the number of transactions that need to happen at a swap station in order for that to become cash flow positive, I think Europe in general makes it much more challenging for swapping stations to be, and I'm saying swapping stations broadly as a general term. Yeah, but one highlight I think uh, uh, William showed was him holding up a an NFC card next to one of the chargers, and it looks like it's supposed to work on like, was it 380,000 or 38,000? Probably thirty-eight thousand chargers uh, in Europe, supposedly. So I mean, right. he's on top of the game as far as thinking the user experience, right? The, the, before the cars are even on sale. But think about this, Lay. So if you're a charging infrastructure guy, and all you've had to work with up till now is a legacy automaker who doesn't want to bend and doesn't want to compromise and doesn't want to work together through partnerships. To For Neo to come to Europe, it has to be refreshing to talk to them and say, yes, we want to work with you. We want to, you you know, allow our ET5s and ET7s to plug into your network, right? Because the legacies, they, I guarantee you, they're just very frigid and rigid with what they want and only what they want, Right. And so I just think that that's the other part of where the legacies are falling down, right? They need to be more reasonable and take more risk with some of these startups or some of these lesser known commodities, whether it's a technology, whether it's a service. And, you know, what Mujib said, and maybe it's too little too late, but Mujib said to us, Last week resonates with me still to this day. He said, before IRA, all the OEMs were just coming around 
kicking the tires, seeing, seeing what our tech was all about. But now they're coming back saying, let's work together, right? Let's figure this out. So maybe that is the catalyst. Maybe the IRA, it, the IRA is definitely the catalyst. What outcomes when, and whether it's too late, we'll see. So. And the other, uh, really, the, the, the number that stood out for me was uh, William Reveal, the, they have 720 plus people working in Europe already, and most of them joined the company within the last half year, six months. So think about that. Uh, and they've also, and I forget that gentleman's name, but he wrote an EV newsletter. They hired him as a, an evangelist. Yeah, Alfonso, right? Yeah, Alfonso, that's right. <laughs> yep. So, you know, good for, good for him, you know, because he seems very passionate about uh, the space. So. And the other thing is is just how William revealed in his kind of journals the selection of these new house locations. It's also a, a very deliberate process, you know, and who the partners are, how large it is, whether it's a house or a space. And there's this, there's this I think, 110-year-old seven-story building, the whole building in Amsterdam. 2,700 square meters that going to be used as a neo house. I'm wondering this this whole 10, 10 day, 10 city, all these neo houses unveiled, how, the, the investment involved. <laughs> well, sound, yeah, right? we, we, we talked about that, right? We talked about that. They're, they're breaking the bank for sure. Which I want to bring up because we want to talk about the, the two IPOs, <laughs> Porsche and Leap Motor. And one of the reasons why Porsche was flat, but Leaf Motor was one third off the the IPO pricing was because, well, for Leaf Motor at least, that that these companies are still losing significant amount of money, right? Part of the reason, and maybe the other reason was today the the, the kind of the U.S. stock market was. But right? but this is this is the retail consumer not really getting the automotive space, right? I think they're they're expecting technology kind of returns, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, Leap Motor makes its money, it uh, generates its revenue by selling cars, right? Yeah, That's it. I think they raised, well, $800 million and they were expecting mm-hmm. twice that, I think, right? And I, unfortunately, I have not finished my newsletter. I'll be sending that out later this, e- this evening. <laughs> Double duty. Yeah, but I'll give you guys a sneak peek. I think that Leap Motor should be applauded. Because when the C01 launched over three or four years ago. The S01. S01, sorry. The coupe. Which was, yeah, which was a undersized, underpowered, yeah. crappy little coupe. January 3rd, 2019 in Beijing at the, uh, I was there at the uh, water cube. I knew you knew that day. Because I remember, remember that day very clearly. How, how it was underwhelming because of the coup. It was like, what? <laughs> but And they struggled for the better part of 18 months, right? Yeah. And I saw one of them and I was like, wow. Th- First of all, it's almost as small as a Wuling Hongwa Mini EV. The, you, you mean the T03? No, the, 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 the S, S01. S01. It's the small. Okay. It's tiny. Yeah. yeah, it's tiny. In images... You you want it to be bigger, and then you see it, and you're like, wow. Not only is it a coupe, but it's underpowered, and it's small. And coupes don't sell in China. 
generally speaking, unless you're unless you're um, the 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 brand name ends with Orsha, <laughs> <laughs> right? So coupes don't sell, two doors don't sell that well, and so why they started with a two door, but then they got a cash injection. I think several cash injections, and then they started hitting some singles and some doubles with two three of their of their new products, and so. I applaud them because I left them for dead. And to get to IPO, to me, is quite an accomplishment, regardless of how it played out during the, the first day of trading. So, and by the way, kudos to them. Yeah, kudos to so them. So, they're Hong Kong listed. So, two other companies, I think uh, Kelb, the, the battery company, and even I think um, uh, WM Motor is still trying to IPO. Like, right? WM Motor is. Way earlier than, I mean, they're they're the one of the OGs. Yeah, their potential was right. It was well, much better than, than Lee Motor. But now, I think both you and I three years ago thought that they were going to be one of the leaders. Yeah. So four four years ago, not three years ago, four years ago. And it, it was interesting that launch event. I watched a little bit of it, and they had this long interview with the Zhu Jiangming, the the guy who started the company, who's also the chairman of Dahua. Like one of the leading surveillance camera providers in the world. They're based in Hangzhou. So they, they've accumulated these kind of ADAS perception technology and, and now they're, they're using a lot of in-house tech and, and hardware. But that's the thing to me that is gonna, is gonna really follow them around in a negative way. So, and also the pricing was quite aggressive as well. I think it was gunning for the uh, P7, let's say, X1 yeah. P7, a five meter around 200,000 MB with all those the CT, the C2C, the CTC cell to yep. chassis, the first model claiming to be to use that technology, facial AI, ID recognition. And all these are from, from their Dahua foundation. So, I just don't know how successful they're going to be in the Western countries. I could see them possibly gaining traction in certain Southeast Asian countries eventually. But yeah. Well, we, we, we said last time uh, that Netta, I think, opened a showroom in uh, Bangkok. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So. Yeah. Because so the, what Chinese EV companies are trying to do is disrupt the domination that the Japanese car companies have in Thailand and in Indonesia, in, in these other, in the Philippines, right? Like if you've ever been, and I'm talking to the audience here, if you've ever been to the Philippines or Thailand, you, all you see is Toyotas yes. and, and Hondas, right? Like, and so, um, but Toyotas, Honda, they're, they're coming late to the party when it comes to moving their, their, their powertrains over. So. Yeah, so speaking of the Japanese, I had tweeted that list of uh, models that, that yeah. were either uh, launched or went uh, on pre-sale the week since we last talked, uh, last Thursday. And there's roughly, it wasn't exhaustive. I think there's roughly like 20 models. And roughly half of those were EVs, which are really what we're talking about here on this show. And one of them was the Dongfeng Nissan Aria. Yeah. And what I see is their pricing was very aggressive. So 
the the low the, the high two hundred thousand MMBs to to the low three hundred thousand MMBs. Uh, that's what I see on the Chinese chatter, and they're saying that I think this is really the the how you uh, decide the decision on pricing. The chatter was that this is probably uh, done by the Japanese that they had this <laughs> authority on the pricing because they were comparing this to let's say an ID four. So that type of sized SUV. So this is what's going to happen, Lay. The sub four hundred thousand RMB crossover sedan, small SUV, even midsize SUV. They're going to do battle in China, and only the best of the best, and it's going to be brutal. And only the best of the best in those. Few segments: sedan, small SUV, crossover, midsize SUV, under four hundred thousand, are going to make it out to Europe. They're going to make it out to the United States, and they're going to do well because they have the earned their stripes in the China market. Yeah. So don't the, the the locally produced Aria is just the next model in line among the foreign brands that are likely going to hit. I don't want to say a wall, but you you wonder right how how well can it do? There's some headwinds for all the foreign automakers. Yeah, I think right, so. You know, Volkswagen adding all their ID models together is you know is is okay. But other than that, other who among the ones that have launched in in China that have gotten any significant volumes? Nobody, except Tesla, of course. But and remember, this is it, this is. The the theme here is there are so many disparate things going on. COVID is still an issue because our friend, Shenzhen, you know, friend of, uh, <laughs> yeah. So our friend Elay tweeted, and you know he's always accurate. He's pretty much always accurate in in in, in my experience. And so he said that there are some breakouts and and our outbreaks in, in Shenzhen, but. And then friend of, of, of the show, Anders Hovey, he, uh, I'll reply to, to Anders after I get off this uh, podcast, but he was surprised that I said six and a half million in my LinkedIn post. But I think we can just print that. I think that's pretty solid number to get to six and a half million units in China. And so if we think about it, you, if you would have told me that we're, we're at six and a half million units and Tesla is not running at full capacity plus overtime and Neo is still struggling to get to 10,000 units, Li Auto is struggling to get to 10,000 units, I, I might not believe you, mm-hmm. right? Because these guys should lead, should be growing like crazy. And so somebody's making up for that. And it's these other domestics that you and I talk about that aren't in the headlines in most Western media outlets, right? Yeah. And, and the other ones on the list, really, if you look at the list, we talk about EVs. And really, all, all, each of those EVs has their own unique, whether it's positioning, whether uh, the kind of talk to talk that, that they announced. Uh, let's say right, the Rising Auto R7 is the next kind of this premium position, the EVs to be battery swappable, right? They have this new joint venture set up with SAIC and, and the two big oil giants that we talked about last episode on, on this joint venture swapping uh, entity, 
right? Right. The GAC Ion Y Plus is kind of the OG for the GAC Ion brand. And, and I guess one of those sales guys was saying, oh, this is going to be a 20000 a month model, <laughs> right? The Hongwan Mini EV Cabrio, 99,900 MMB, but they're only giving uh, selling this on a limited edition, like 100 or 200 a month. Right. Right. These are the unique. And then the Leap Motor, the C01, is we've already talked about it. The Havel H6, it's hard to believe the Havel H6 PHEV is the first ever NEV for the Havel brand. I had to double take on that. I was like, I couldn't think of any, but I was like, man, there has to be one, right? Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is the first. And, uh, our good friend Ash from Geely posted some RD6, uh, the first production job one, right? And then yeah. 180000 starting price point uh, for a 350 kilometer. So I'm a bit perplexed with the with the radar because it, it was announced only recently. So it didn't really get a chance to build that much excitement before it started delivering. So, you know, is that a missed opportunity because it's such a unique vehicle? I don't know. But... Geely is just is is trying to be as uh, they're just churning out product left and right across a number of brands, right? The the, the Polestar three is going to be in a couple of weeks unveiled, yeah. And a reminder to everyone: the Polestar three will be built in both China and the U.S. In the U.S., it's announced pricing of around eighty thousand U.S. dollars and directly competing against the Cayenne. So, which goes back to to the BYD mod, two models selling for seventy two thousand in Europe. Yes, which would you choose if, if they were? <laughs> and this is the crazy thing because Pulsar isn't doing that well in in China. Let's be frank, right? right? But I don't think most Chinese consumers would think BYD when they're shopping Pulsar. So BYD is counting on the European consumer. To be able to do that, reconcile that. Okay. And then one model I missed on that list, interestingly, Toyota is in the news again because I, ju- I just tweeted that that uh, Akio Toyota is in Las Vegas talking to reporters and he was in that stretch Toyota. Yes. What do you call that? Uh, TRD, that r- racing something. Yeah, it's a stretch uh, pickup limo. Yeah, it was <laughs> what the heck? strange. Yeah, so Toyota Mirai. They just announced in China um, they're going to be selling uh, 50 units as kind of a trial through the GAC Toyota channel by the end of the year. And the Mirai is the hydrogen yeah. vehicle. Yeah, and so. they're selling for 750,000 MMB Whoa. a model. So this is one side of it. The other is that they're going to put... 111 of these Marais that were operating in the Winter Olympics into ride-hailing fleets in a few cities in China, just kind of, you know, to, to pilot on a pilot basis. That's music to the Chinese government's so, ears. So you think the Toyota Marai is expensive? But get this, the, the Chang'an uh, Shenlan, the SL03, they have a hydrogen edition. And guess how much that one? Cost six hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred MMB. Oh, so my. which would you choose, right? So the Mirai is only fifty thousand MMB more ex- expensive. Which do you trust, right? <laughs> so yeah, 
50,000 RMB is around 8,000 US dollars. So, so, yeah, so we're seeing, right, these, this wave of products. I think one of the obvious reasons is we're in this golden September, uh, silver October time of the year where I think these companies are trying to, before the, right, tomorrow or the day after starts the October uh, National yes. Day holidays. So these companies are. So, so not only that, Lay, the October holiday, and then on the 16th, is that very important day, right? Yeah. So October is going to be such an important month for the country. Not, not, don't, we're not even talking EVs. We're talking the country and unprecedented, right? Yeah. Cause we talked about this offline. There are a lot of rumors going on right now that are pretty much unfounded that when you speak to your folks, uh, on the ground in, in Beijing, Shanghai, other cities in China, you know, I speak to, to to my friends. Nothing seems to be changing, at least on the ground there. So these rumors are pretty much just just rumors. But ultimately, the October sixteenth date is. If people are wondering, uh, it's when Xi Jinping is supposed to get his third term as president of of China. So and. After October holiday, we're going to see a mad dash again for sales. Yeah. And so I think these companies are just simply trying to push for exposure. And that's why you saw so many models launched the last few days. It's right before this holiday break that everybody wants to push. And I'm glad you said that because... Seasonality of it. Because Wan Chuang Fu... (laughs) Li Shufu, they couldn't buy the type of 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 publicity that Li Bin is getting with his tour of Europe. Yeah, the way he does it. I mean, uh, every every picture you see him in, he's smiling. He doesn't have a care in the world, and it is like it would be so uncomfortable to see that happening in China. Yeah, well, that. But I can't think of any other Chinese. CEO besides maybe Lei Jun, Lei Jun or Xiaopang or, or Li Xiang. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, but but Li Bin fits it to a T, right? He seems very comfortable on social. Okay, and he and he's got a good sidekick in Li Hong, where the other ones don't have this type right. of kind of the the, the brotherly uh, <laughs> what you call it, right? <laughs> I really do think they compliment each other. Yeah, yeah. They do. Because I think uh, Li, Li Hong, he speaks very good English, whereas William might be uh, slightly worse. But, I mean, they have a team, obviously. But, um, yeah. This is where you and I are kind of kicking ourselves because we should be, if we we're in China currently, we would be getting test drives of the G9. We'd be, be getting test drives of the L8. We would be getting test drives of, of, of a few different cars. Maybe that radar RD6, uh, I'm sure we'd get, but unfortunately we are, we are not there, but, um, we do have some friends that are, that I'd consider partners. I think Mark's very good at doing those reviews and things like that. So, uh, there are people, uh, Elliot, uh, of course, from, from fully charged. So, yeah. So we're, we're, we're saving the best for last. So the LA launches today, uh, and then the ET5 starts deliveries. Right, people have been waiting. <laughs> so the last day, right, the last day of the last of the third quarter, 
Right. And then by Saturday, we'll see those wave of those bar charts, right? <laughs> and then 10, 10 days of calm before an enormous storm towards the end of 2022. In the China EV space, there's no breaks. Every day there's <laughs> stories, there's news. Hey, so there were a lot of people posting about BYD's pricing in Europe. And it sounds like you and I think that it's a touch heavy. And the, the silver lining, I thought, was so, so my read was BYD seems very confident in their product. It's probably also a reflection of the lack of competition that they really see. And they don't have the baggage of those crappy cars from 20 years ago that were sold here in China under the BYD nameplate in Europe. And so, but the one thing they cannot do specifically at that price point is have those types of mistakes that they made specifically in launching the Addo in Australia with the warranty. That will just be, the, the European won't forgive that. They cannot make those. those so, so let's hope that the partners that they are working with, and I say that with an S because the partner in Germany is probably only good for Germany. The partner in France is probably only good for France. Because remember, these are separate countries, separate languages, separate sure. cultures. And so there's not going to be one service partner. There's not going to be one retail partner. There's going to be several. And that's where the, therein lies the rub for challenges, right? And so Neo is going to have that same issue, right? But I believe, I don't believe BYD has 700 employees in Europe right now to help with that. Right? Well, they do have the, the, the bus side of it, which is huge yes. operations, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, Lei, was a quick update on that Goshen. They still have not confirmed, but the Men Mencosta County, which is Western Michigan, they have offered substantial tax breaks for Goshen over 10 years to incentivize them to build a factory there. I had a brief conversation with our good friend Steve Levine, he wanted to talk to me about kind of the, the Michigan aspect of it. And so uh, he might be writing a little bit about that in his newsletter this week, The Electric. I think he reached out to some folks and there's a bunch of no comments. And so I think that's a reflection of how sensitive it still is and how because it's not signed in, in a done deal that they're not willing to jeopardize the 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 potential transaction at such a critical juncture. So, so too. Um, uh, before I get off, I'm just reading this now. Tesla is going to reduce prices of the Model Three and Y by as much as forty thousand RMB. Remember, this is the October first holiday, the National Day holiday. Tesla has done this before. They just undercut every single EV brand. In China, pretty much. Yeah, they're unconfirmed, but I'm, I'm seeing this uh, Hu Xiu reporting. 
And the Model Y rear wheel drive uh, starting price is going to fall down to 270000 to 290000 Lay, what did we say <laughs> last summer? We said this exact thing, didn't yeah. we? We said there's going to be softness in demand and Tesla is, oh my God, this is so predictable. And as much as high as 40,000, this is being reported. So I think you're going to see oh Twitter my. blow up on this. Oh my God. Oh, Taylor's <laughs> going to have a field day. No, I mean, well, how you look at it, right? Yeah. But this is also going to affect, you know, how, let's say, uh, Xpeng G9 pricing, these type of things, how, how these other competitors price their vehicles. That's the, the other effect, right? Lay, lay. It's it's gonna affect it's gonna affect Tesla customers who bought three months ago. Their their residual values, right? So it's both good and the bad, certainly. Like clockwork, right? You knew this was gonna happen because, it, and is this going to get them to the ninety three percent capacity? You know, because uh, I still hold my theory out that Berlin Giga is slow slow ramp because Shanghai Giga is not running at capacity so it was so predictable but t- we told you so right yeah this this huxiu article uh, posted at around 8 30 p.m now it's already close to 100 100 reads views you know that if this is true foot traffic in tesla stores is going to be massive during October holiday october holiday massive and I wonder if that means that that week lead time for all models is going to get pushed out now. And, and just so one thing that one piece of feedback that I got lay that we should be both better about is translating R&B into dollars because sometimes we just talk R in R&B. Yeah, so okay, so 40,000 reduction would be like a $6,000 re- reduction, right? Yeah. It would be more than that, right? Like yeah, it's almost yeah. almost seven thousand bucks, uh, and so this isn't like a twelve hundred U.S. dollar reduction. This is like game changer reduction, where they're probably getting close to cost on some of the models, right? So wow, they're they're freaking. You know, all the pricing teams that all these Chinese EV companies are looking at this and saying. Because the G9, the ES7, all these, the L8, the ET5, I'm, I'm not that concerned about the ET5 and the pricing on the ET5, but the rest of these guys, they're like, we just launched this car. We can't reduce the price on this. Yeah, the L8 is launching, announcing the pricing in a few hours. They're changing it right now. <laughs> they must be thinking about it, at least. They're sharpening their pencil right now, or... Or there's going to be some back-end incentive, right? You order today, you order the next 30 days, you're going to get free this or that, right? It's going to be a non, non-pricing-based non incentive so that they they don't mess with the pricing too much. So anyways, hey, um, Lei, always, always enlightening, always educational. And everyone, thank you for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you all. Same here. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lay on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I 
XING77. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.